Peace, grace, this is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so if you care about building Christian community or El Reno or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Today's scripture comes to us from Mark 4, verses 1 through 9. I invite you to either find that in the worship guide, in your inbox, or on our Facebook page, in your uh, paper, Bible, or on your phone through an app so that you can join through reading these words or by taking whatever posture allows you to listen best this morning. Again, he began to teach the side of the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell on to good soil. And brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, let anyone with ears to hear listen. May God add blessings to the readings of these words in every time and in every place. Would you pray with me? Holy God, quiet us. Our fears, our anxieties, our angers, and even our elation, quiet us so that we might listen, that we might have ears to hear, that we might be able to put our whole presence into this moment, seeking you once more. Amen. I've been thinking a lot in this past week about the fact that we have now been doing this for just about a year. A whole year of doing school and church and work and family differently. A whole year that has not been lost, but it's certainly been spent differently than we might have hoped. Now there are several reasons why I've been thinking about this especially. We were coming up on some anniversaries of when the whole world started <laughs> to feel a little uh, different. It was about this time last year that 
I was sitting in Joyce's office with Tara, and we were not six feet apart, and we didn't have masks on, and we were asking, what do you think of all this coronavirus stuff? I mean, really, really how, how bad, bad do you, you think, think it's, it's going to be? The other reason the pandemic has been on my mind, beside the obvious reason of its constant, unrelenting presence, is that we have returned to Lent, which is where life as we knew it changed last year. The church calendar has turned back over to where we have left it. It's almost felt that like we're going to find the old normal just hanging out in one of the boxes where we keep our worship supplies. It's going to be nestled in between the candles and the purple cloth and ah! There's the box that has the old normal right in between, just where we left it back in Lent of 2020. And some days I really, really want to find that box. Now it isn't to say that life was perfect then. Does everybody remember how excited we were to leave 2019 behind and get to 2020, that year when we were going to have our perfect vision Society, institutions, churches needed a reckoning then about how they were going to go into the future, an overhaul, if you will. For a variety of reasons, the age in which we are in will require all of us to live in a different way so that we can meet the challenges of the moment. that box with the old normal. I know, you know, it's like that old saying, you stick with the devil, you know. And I find myself longing for at the very least for life to be different. Perhaps you know this longing too. Because surely by now we have figured out we're not going to be finding our old normal in a box that someone has misplaced or put up for the year we are going to have to build our tomorrow and build it together just as it has always been but it's unavoidable now the general minister and president of the christian church disciples of christ in the united states and canada is the reverend terry horde owens she's kind of like the pastor of the denomination and she started a new web series this year on YouTube called Imagine With Me. And she has conversations with other disciples and leaders, envisioning them to imagine with her about what the church will be, the next church. And I invite you to look up some of those videos on YouTube in your spare time. Because indeed, she's called all of us, not just pastors, all of us disciples in this new year to imagine the church we will be. She says, quote, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to ask ourselves, if we are a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world, not only what does it look like, what does it feel like? How will we see this in the practices of local congregations, regional ministries, and the general church? And if we are indeed an anti-racist, pro-reconciling church, what are we doing? What does it look like? What do our churches look like? Now, 
imagining anything new has been hard for me to consider at times. Hard for me to imagine along with anyone, much less... Much less you. Much less the church, right? I'm just trying to imagine my own life. And I already feel so tired. It seems like we can't grow anything new, not when we're being held down by all that is missing, all that we are grieving. It feels like new growth is just beyond where we can reach. In other words, I feel a little burned out. Maybe you do too. Today's scripture, though, is about that new life, that new growth which comes even when it seems like the odds are too high and the game is too rigged. It's also about the reign of God, that family of faith. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, where we will be for the next, today and the next five weeks. The Gospel of Mark is filled with the actions of Jesus. The words of Jesus, not so much. At least not when we compare the Jesus we find in Mark to the very eloquent, talkative Jesus that you can get in Matthew or Luke or even John. But even here in Mark's gospel, especially in chapter 4, we have a handful of parables, which is how Jesus primarily talked. As the scholar William Parker says, parables used, or excuse me, William Praker says, Parables are used to lead listeners from a concrete and common experience into an uncertain and mysterious reflection that results in new insights. Parables lead us from the life we knew to a life we could only imagine. In today's parable, Jesus begins by telling us to listen twice. There's something that we need to hear right here. Something that will change the lives of those listeners by the water's edge of long ago. And something that will change our lives today, too. Jesus then tells this story about a sower who's going out to sow. And perhaps this botanical man was broadcasting flinging seed everywhere his arms could throw. Or perhaps he was trying to throw seed down on the ground so that later he could run a plow over that seeded ground and plunging those little seeds deeper, making rows and order in the dirt. However it is, some of the seed escapes the good soil of the field. Some of it falls on the path where the birds gobble it up, feasting on the treat of a free lunch. Some falls on the rocky ground, and it pops right up and dries out too fast on that first warm day, the roots too shallow. Some fell among the thorns, that briar patch that, you know... I was going to move that out last season, says the sower, but eh, maybe I'll get to it this weekend if the weather's okay. And the seed grows there, but it can't compete with the density and the thirst and the hunger of those brambles. But that seed, which falls where it was intended to go, on the good soil, 
outgrows any reasonable expectation that any farmer in rural Palestine could have had. Our sower is getting the returns of 30, 60, 100 fold. Bushel on bushels, the seeds must have been treated with some miracle grow. Despite early setbacks, despite dashed hopes, the harvest is more plentiful than the sower could ever imagine. Now, interestingly, this parable is one of the few that gets an interpretation from Jesus. If you're interested, I invite you to read on in Mark 4. To briefly recap it, it turns out that the seeds are not just seeds, nor are the soils just soils. The seed is the word sown, and the types of soil represent our reception of that gift. The sower is good. The seeds are very good. The soils, though, that's where your mileage may vary. For some, Satan, I think better known as temptation incarnate, steals the word sown. For others, it is a lack of depth. And for others, it's that false urgency of the cares of the world which drag them away. But the seed is powerful. And in the right conditions, the harvest is more than we can imagine. It's really hard to have a harvest with more than we can imagine right now, isn't it? Our worship series this Lent is parched, growth during burnout. We're going through some of the more earthy stories of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. Asking, how can we grow even when it feels like death and decay are our companions instead of new and abundant life? We are pondering together in this season, how can we grow after and maybe even during periods of burnout? Now, this is a relevant question for most of us. Even as I realize that's not where everyone is. Some of us are having the best seasons of our life, even with the pandemics and polar conditions. That's okay. I don't mean to shame you or to make you question whether good things are actually good. They are. And we need to celebrate goodness when it happens. We are all in different seasons. And if there is anything that I've become more assured of as I live and learn in El Reno is that everything comes in seasons. And many of us are in the season of being burned out and burned up. We're worried that our kids have fallen behind. We stay up late at night wondering whether our job, which was already kind of precarious before all this happened, will ever truly recover. We look around and we see so many of our neighbors and so many of us who are going to need real help after this natural disaster that we have lived through, which as much as the snow was fluffy and white and beautiful, has wreaked havoc just like any floodwaters or winds. Busted pipes and high utility bills are going to be a slow-rolling disaster for us here that will slowly drip, 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 trickle, if you will, all the way into, perhaps even through the summer. Many of us are, or will be, 
at some point in our lives in the proverbial excrement, so to speak. Praise God, it is in manure where seeds grow. I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna or say that suffering is ever good. To be blunt, I don't think that there's always a silver lining. Nor do I think that some gains down the road can redeem suffering today. Suffering is bad and we should alleviate it. Period. Full statement. Yet the promise of spiritual growth is that it generally comes slowly, seemingly delayed. It doesn't just shoot up at first and wither like the seed sown on rocky ground. It's hard won, not easily snatched away like those seeds sown on the path. And it is resilient, not like those tender seeds choked out by the thorns. My dear friend Doug once said, I don't think everything happens for a reason. But I do believe that meaning can be made out of anything that happens. And so it seems to me, just by observation, that our seasons of growth tend to come after our tragedies. Just like the fires that rip through forests or prairies, the blackened scars are the ones that will often flare up in the most beautiful green come springtime. That process of being burnt up or burnt out can allow for new and robust growth to occur. Our parable today is read, I think, often as a warning. Don't be the bad soil. But how often do we actually get to pick what kind of soil we're going to be? When the word is sown, but we're struggling to put food on the table. When the word is sown... And we are on fire until that good church person who loves Jesus so much and goes on to stab you in the back. When the word is sown and you're rocking and rolling and you're plugged into a small group and you're joining worship and now you're just doing your best to juggle hybrid learning, working from home, or just trying to get to the store safely and back. Yeah, I don't think it's your fault. I'm not sure that we get to choose our soil status. I don't know that it's just that easy and simple, my friends. And so instead of seeing this parable as a warning about what happens to those people, perhaps the story of Jesus is better seen as an invitation. An invitation to sow seeds broadly, to keep hope radically, to imagine together. For those of us who are bold enough to follow Jesus, perhaps this text is an invitation to sow as many seeds as we can, knowing that in some seasons we can scatter seeds everywhere. And in other seasons, we will be doing our best to say grace over the little patches of garden that we have already got to maintain. Now, now I, I believe, believe that, that the good news of God is shared, sown in many ways. It is certainly shared in our prayers, in our small groups, in what we teach the generations coming up behind us. And also, in this past week, we saw the good news of God being shared by our fellow citizens who helped to close the gaps by hauling water, shoveling sidewalks, sharing food. These, too, are seeds. 
We know in this time that hunger for community is high and will likely be higher. But our hopes for a group of people who meet regularly and care deeply is on everyone's wish list. Much like a shower has been on most of our wish lists this week. This is rich, fallow soil. People need community. And we know that El Reno is expected to grow exponentially in the coming years. New citizens will come to this town to build a community that they want to be part of to help build Christian community right here in El Reno for the world. So will we fling out seeds like we have nothing to lose and everything to gain? But the parable of the sower doesn't just encourage us, Jesus followers, to fling out seeds. It also gives us the permission to be hopeful even when we think we have failed. We never know when something clicks, when the brush is finally cleared out and the topsoil is finally deepened. We don't know everything that is going on in the lives of others, and frankly, it's been my experience that we rarely know what's going on beneath the surface of our own lives. So I think it's our best interest to just be wasteful, to trust that God is doing something that God alone can see. Because one day, after the failures have been made apparent to all, and all of the seeds that were on the, the path and the brambles and the rocky soil, when they have already had their review and the criticism has come and the, and the sower seems like a failure, a little sprout will come out of the soil that has been fertilized with the ashes of dreams past and along with the collective scat which we have had to endure. A seedling will pop up out of that soil, which has been enriched by time and trials, by hopes and dreams, and it will be more than we could have imagined. And growth happens after all. And the miracles grow seeds, pop up harvests of 30 and 60 and 100 fold. So thanks be to God that the harvest isn't over yet. But there are still seeds being sown even now. Thanks be to God that the failures of the seeds sown in the wrong soils are not the end of the story or the end of God's work and indeed not the end of your life or my life or anyone else's. And so, my friends, I ask that you imagine what the seeds that have been planted in you might be doing now, dormant, ready to emerge. The seeds that have been planted in you by Sunday school teachers, planted in you by friends and grandpas and the study of the Bible and acts of love which you have received or acts of love which you have given and from our cries for mercy and our actions taken in the names of justice, planted by prayers and protest and love and love and love. And so may all of these seeds sprout in you in their season when the soil is ready so that they will bear a harvest of 30, 60, 
100-fold more than we could have imagined. This sermon podcast is a ministry of First Christian Church, El Reno, Oklahoma. It is preached about 85% of the time by Senior Minister Colton Lott, about 10% of the time by Associate Minister Tara Dew, and about 5% of the time from a beloved guest. If you check the math and we're wrong, don't worry about it. This podcast is produced by Communications Coordinator Rachel Carlson, and the instrumentalization you hear is by Chris Prather, our Bell Choir Director, percussionist, and composer in residence. Christian community is made up by the individuals who show up each week, and so while this has been preached and produced by some, it is the work of many. So whether you show up with your body or with your enthusiasm, with your dollars, with your prayers, or your love, thank you for making the body of Christ real and felt and known. Go and be a blessing this day and always, friends. Amen.